the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour two. I woke up this morning thinking about what President Biden said on 60 Minutes over the weekend, something that just couldn't leave me. As you know, he changed foreign policy with regard to China and Taiwan in real time in his interview on 60 Minutes. And a few unnamed officials at the State Department and the White House had to call Scott Pelley at CBS to reverse what Joe Biden said. Hell of a thing, that. We've seen this before with Joe Biden, as in his trip to Europe, when at least four things had to be corrected by his administration. That's how much through a looking glass we live right now. Usually, the president cleans up the messes of his staff, his underlings, his cabinet members, when they get something wrong or unartful. In all my life, 10 presidents or so, I've never seen the lower correct the higher, the staff having to cover for the chief when the chief is the president of the United States. As John Lennon put it, strange days indeed, but dangerous days too, consequential days. Let me focus on that. We allied and move past the consequential nature of these things every day. That is why they put us and try to keep us in a frenzy. So there's no ability to focus and think. And also, no ability to obtain accountability. Accountability for the actual consequences of our political and social malfeasance. Thomas Sowell once wrote, quote, It is hard to imagine a more stupid or more dangerous way of making decisions than by putting those decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. Close quote. And yet here we are. Joe Biden opposed the the first Gulf War, the stunningly successful one. He backed and supported the second one, the stunningly unsuccessful one. He supported the nuclear freeze against Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan. He opposed supporting the anti-communist Contras in Nicaragua. He opposed missile defense. And when he was vice president, he he was the sole vote opposed to killing Osama bin Laden. I'd say yes, it starts there. And as far as accountability, he only succeeded upward in some form of perverse Peter principle to the point of the worst military withdrawal in a war since Saigon, 1975. Thirteen Americans killed, nearly 200 Afghan allies killed, leaving behind a passel of weapons to our enemies that is worth billions of dollars, including thousands of guns and dozens of helicopters. But. The president wants to convince us he's right to disarm Americans. Last I checked, there was no Second Amendment in Afghanistan. As for our economic situation right now, he told us the inflation would be transitory and caused by Russia. Now, his Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, apologizes also for getting the inflation narrative wrong. Might I ask, meanwhile, what happened to the baby formula shortage crisis? You'd think it had been solved, so vanished is it from the news. 
This is how they avoid accountability, with frenzy, keeping us leaping from lily pad to lily pad of fast-moving crises and with shiny objects used for deflection, like don't look there, look at white supremacy or some such equally absurd elevation of an absurdity. But if you search about, you find the baby formula crisis has actually grown worse as the news about it has dissipated. New data suggests that the U.S. baby formula shortage is now at 63%, up from earlier this summer. Too bad baby formula isn't COVID, because as it got worse, it got more attention. But of course, that was during a Republican presidency, and you could leverage that crisis against the president. So back to the 60 Minutes interview, if I might. Joe Biden blithely stated COVID was over, his words. Now what? He weaponized and exploited it to become president. He said any president, meaning Donald Trump, who he was addressing in a debate, any president who saw 220,000 Americans lose their lives due to COVID was unfit to be president. Unqualified was his word. Keep in mind, Joe Biden said that when he was running for president, which would have been the year 2020, which would have meant it was still a novel virus and there was no vaccine when he said it. Joe Biden assumed office with a large helping of help from the exploitation of COVID, and he proceeded to oversee the death of over 600,000 Americans, several times what Trump lost. And all that after a year's experience with COVID and with a vaccine. So Trump was unqualified at 220,000 losses. But Joe Biden is just fine and dandy and qualified with losing over 172 percent more Americans on his watch. As I say, with a vaccine and a year's experience with the virus. So he just callously can say it's over with no accountability or anything else. Isn't there a judgment here that demands a verdict How about the education professionals on this, namely experts in the teachers unions that pressured the CDC to keep schools closed and even wrote the CDC language against all evidence of social and mental health concerns and learning loss? Leaders of teachers unions said learning loss was a myth and they dismissed the mental health concerns as dismissive of the dangers of COVID. Meanwhile, here we are two and a half years later, and the COVID death toll of those under age 18 is 1,267 or one one thousandth of a percent of their population in their age group. One one thousandth of a percent of their age group population. Fewer children than drown every year by a lot. And by a lot, I mean by 73 percent, 73 percent more children die from drowning than have from COVID. And I don't recall a single story about children drowning in the past three or four years, if not longer, or any orders to close pools in order to follow the science. Close exercise facilities in the name of COVID, yes, but not pools because of drowning. And all those gym closures, when we knew it was the inactive, the sedentary and obese that would have the worst COVID outcomes. But you see none of that, or at least the government and the educational and medical associations, none of them wanted you to know or see any of that. What I do see are exactly the mental and educational deficits that were predicted 
against the teachers union statements and predicted early. Bill Bennett and I wrote an op-ed for Fox News warning about this as early as April of 2020. We said, do not close the schools. There is now so much loss in learning, math, and reading that we've wiped out 20 years of slow and steady educational progress with our youth, according to the nation's report card issued by the U.S. Department of Education. This in a pre-COVID America where 20% of fourth graders were already failing math and 30% of eighth graders were failing math and 40% of 12th graders were failing math. By the way, notice what that tells you, 20, 30, 40. Observe that trend. At every grade tested, the longer you stay in school, the worse you do in mathematics in America. Consider and think on that for a moment. But the academic cataract of learning loss is just one element of all this. COVID closures made it all worse, primarily in the urban and minority communities. Again, just in the academic achievement and loss element here. Just one element. But then there's the mental health part, too. As I said, some of us warned this would happen, but all of us who did were censored and censured. Today, the left and the Democrats mock Republicans who raise mental health concerns. Two years ago, they censored us for it. And while our message hasn't changed, it's new to them because they either dismissed it out of hand or put the quietus on us for not following the science. Eleanor McCants-Katz was the first assistant secretary for mental health, and she served under the Trump administration. Ph.D. in epidemiology, M.D. in psychiatry. She said this as early as May of 2020, quote, The research literature is clear on the effects of quarantine and stay-at-home practices on mental health. We know that the longer the duration of these orders, the greater the intensity of the mental health problems experienced. We also know that these symptoms persist for years to come, even once quarantine is lifted. The data tell us that when the lives of adults, children, and families are drastically changed for extended lengths of time, for many, anxiety, depression, and stress disorders will become manifest and will persist. These are real health conditions with potentially long-lasting consequences that must be taken seriously, close quote. And this was literally banned on social media. Today, the American Psychological Association reports, quote, mental illness and the demand for psychological services are at all-time highs, especially among children, close quote. Seventy-one percent of parents report the pandemic had taken a toll on their children's mental health, and 69 percent said the pandemic was the worst thing to happen to their child. A national survey found close to a third of students felt unhappy and depressed, much more than usual. Meanwhile, Mental health crises are also on the rise. Mental health-related emergency department visits increased 24% for children ages 5 to 11 and 31% for those aged 12 to 17 compared with 2019 emergency department visits, according to CDC data. As for other experts, we had a Supreme Court justice just this year in open court argument misstate the number of children in hospitals for COVID-related illnesses by a factor of 20. I'll repeat that, by a factor of 20. And, of course, the need to defund and reimagine the police worked out just great in our major cities, didn't it? But we're told continually trust the experts, from the economists to the foreign policy establishment to the education and health professionals to the criminologists. Well, There are professionals and experts, and there are professionals and experts. And the ones on the left, 
who continue to get it wrong and wrong again, time after time, pay no accountability. Anthony Fauci, Michael Osterholm, Rochelle Walensky, Joe Biden, Janet Yellen, Sonia Sotomayor, Randy Weingarten. What do those names tell you about the progressive experiment? Professor Brad Watson, author of more books on progressivism than anyone I've ever heard of, defines the movement this way. The progressive idea, simply put, is that the principled American constitutionalism of fixed natural rights and limited and dispersed powers must be overturned and replaced by an organic, evolutionary model of the Constitution that facilitates the authority of experts dedicated to the expansion of the public sphere and political control, especially at the national level. Close quote. This all comes with major applications, one of them being, quote, that some individuals stand outside the democratic process, an elite class possessed of intelligence as a method, who provide the messianic leadership needed to move the process smoothly along. Government by credential and expertise. Messianism by an elite. Query as to whether that is better than governance by race or gender. I suppose that would depend on if you are Clarence Thomas or Ketanji Brown-Jackson, the first not qualified for public service, the second given a mandate to do so, the first because he didn't take race seriously enough, the second because she does, though she is evidently confused as to what a woman is. What is all this expertise worth, and was it, what does it cost us? It turns out it's worth revealing ignorance and dangerousness, because these ignorant have outsized power and the power to impress and propagandize, to create, spread, and expand fear and paranoia, to cause problems in order to cause solutions. C.S. Lewis isn't taught anymore, just as Aristotle isn't and Lincoln isn't and Orwell isn't, but just because they are from ages past does not mean we live more enlightened for mothballing them. Lewis put it this way, quote, My contention is that good men, not bad men, consistently acting upon the contentions of their own self-righteousness, would act as cruelly and unjustly as the greatest of tyrants. They might, in some respects, act even worse. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. Maybe better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own goodwill torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. They may be more likely to go to heaven, yet at the same time likelier to make a hell of earth. Their very kindness stings with intolerable insult. To be cured against one's will and cured of states which we may not regard as disease is to be put on a level with those who have not yet reached the age of reason or those who never will. To be classed with infants, imbeciles, and domestic animals. That's how C.S. Lewis put it. Well, you give up on natural rights, truth, reason, and common sense, and this is what you get. Progressivism. The story of every tyranny will show, be it Stalinist, Hitler, Mao, Castro, Pol Pot, or so many others we thought we buried in history's dustbin. They all began and justified themselves upon the abnegation of natural rights and common sense. And they all end treating humans as animals and themselves as gods. This is the price for putting massively important decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. 
I'll take natural right and Lewis over their progressive and preternatural wrong every time, and I will refuse to grant them credibility. So, too, should you. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature. They make a great product. They're fruits and veggies. I take it every single day. Pure, potent plant power. 100% natural. No sugars, no colors, nothing added to it. Just a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables. Best product I've ever taken. It boosts your energy, boosts your health, boosts your immunity. Check them out at balanceofnature.com. That's balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Boy, there's a lot on our plate right now. There's a big thing going on, a lot of big things going on over at the United Nations and in Iran with the protests on the streets there. That looks somewhat redolent of 2009. We'll talk to Erica Sagai in our uh, next segment for a few segments about the goings-on in Iran, democracy activist, Iranian democracy activist uh, Erica Sargai. Meanwhile, here in the country, we're in this country, we're still dealing, I mean, gosh, you think about what's going on in New York, we're st- still dealing with what's going on at our border. Breaking news from Bill Malugan at Fox LA Uh, Customs and Border Patrol reports that there were 12 arrests of individuals on the FBI's terror watch list at the border in August. In August, just last month, 12 arrests of individuals on the FBI's terror watch list, bringing the total for this year so far to 78, 78 terror watch list arrests at our border this year. That is triple the previous Five years combined. Five years combined gets you 26. There were two in 2017, six in 18, zero in 19, three in 20, 15 in 2021, and 78 so far this year. You consider that and consider that there are about 900,000 known getaways who have evaded capture at the border since the beginning of last year including well over 500,000 so far this year. They're seen on cameras, sensors, but no manpower, not enough manpower to get to them and not enough prevention to stop them at the border. I guess, I guess the great strategy of sending Kamala Harris to Central America last year for her to say, my messages don't come, I guess they didn't listen to that message. I guess they didn't take her too seriously. Well, who would? She denies there's a crisis in the first place. We live in an awful lot of denial. Right now, we're left of boom on that denial. I worry what being right of boom will mean. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight to bring back some we haven't had in a while. My my um, my bad on that. But Sargar Erica Kazrai. Erica is a pro-democracy activist. She is the uh, founder and executive uh, director of Living Water 
Productions. Uh, and as her website says, all things Iran. Iran, much in the news uh, lately, uh, especially given that we are starting the new session of the United Nations. Um, Abraham Rahisi is in town. And there are a lot of protests going on in Iran right now that um, I think needs attention. Erica, thank you for being with us again. I hope all is well. Thank you so much for having me, Seth. Well, I've been glued to my phone and to my laptop for the last week um, uh, because of what's happening inside Iran and just watching the current affairs unfold um, on the heels of the you know, United Nations General Assembly and Ibrahim Raisi's trip to the United Nations. Um, a young 22-year-old Iranian girl was detained in Iran last Tuesday uh, by morality police um, in Iran. They, they, are, they basically drive around looking to find women who are improperly dressed, uh, women who uh, do not dress according to the code of the Islamic laws. And so she was arrested, she was detained, and she was to- her t- family was told that she'd be gone for an hour. And while she was um, in detention, uh, she um, suffered from a head injury, which subsequently left her in a coma, and she died two days later. And it's caused the country to sort of uproar. It's led to massive protests nationwide. Women are publicly burning their hijabs or their headscarves. They're cutting their hair. They're posting videos of themselves cutting their hair. Um, Men have joined this movement. Men are now cutting their hair as well. So it's been an interesting to unfold, uh, to watch it unfold. And, of course, I'm watching it very closely. Erica, thank you for that update. Um, I'm assuming, uh, given the crackdown, uh, particularly uh, of late, on women in Iran, I'm I'm assuming uh, a lot of uh, women's organizations in America are raising their voices about this, raising their concerns, protesting uh, Mr. Raisi here in New York. I assume you're not alone in battling this, that you have the support of a lot of women's rights movements here in in America. Well, Seth, I wish that I could say that uh, we do, but we unfortunately do not. I do not see any women wearing pink hats walking around protesting Gracie's trip. In fact, I'm outraged. And the American people should be outraged that a known terrorist got a visa, along with his entourage, to step foot in the land of the free. Every American should be outraged that our Secret Service is protecting an—I don't call him a leader— um, I call him a terrorist right. because that's what he is. Ibrahim Raisi is known as um, the butcher of Tehran. Mm-hmm. He oversaw a, a committee uh, that executed more than 5,000 political dissidents. Mm. And, um, you know, during the Trump administration, he was, you know, he was on a terror list. So he, the fact that he got a visa to come to the United States should be, should be an outrage for every American. I I am Um, outraged by this routinely. (laughs) I am outraged by this year in and year out. Um, This is a short segment. We'll pick up a little bit more in the next segment uh, and get into this a little bit more in depth. But, you know, there once was a time we didn't do this. 
1983, I like to remind people, after uh, the Soviet Union shot down Korean Airlines Flight 007, killing several Americans on it, Andrei Gromyko, the foreign minister of the Soviet Union, was planning to come to speak at the United Nations. And uh, Governor Kane, a Republican in New Jersey, Governor Mario Cuomo, Democrat of New York, they would not give him landing rights. And he did not come to the United States of America for the United Nations General Assembly. I remember when Arafat, Yasser Arafat, went to Lincoln Center, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, then Mayor Rudy Giuliani, kicked him out. He said, we are not having terrorists pollute our American institutions. Uh, They were condemned, but it was the right. They were condemned by all the wrong people, but it was the right thing to do. There is no reason we have to have the pollution of the United States of America with these kinds of terrorist dictators coming here to fulminate about how great their country is and how rotten ours is. Let me take the quick break, Erica. We'll come back and pick up more with you. Erica Kosra, you should follow her on Twitter if you are further interested. Very active Twitter account. I'll spell it out for you, but it's at Sagar Kosra, S-A-G-H-A-R- K-A-S-R-A-I-E. I'm Seth Liebson. She's Erica Kosrai. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have Cigar Erica Kosrai with us, pro-democracy activist, founder, and president of the Living of Living Waters Productions, uh, ec- expert on Iran. Um, Erica, we're seeing these protests take place in Iran right now. And, you know, my mind goes back to 2009 a little bit. And I remember that a lot of us had so much hope for that protest movement in 2009. We thought finally, 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 an organic movement had developed in Iran strong enough to do something about their terror masters. And with one sentence, uh, our president, Barack Obama, shut it down by saying we won't meddle, which was to side with the malocracy rather than the demonstrators, this community organizer uh, in our president, I think shut it down with one sentence and uh, it disappeared. It disappeared. Do we have anything like that opportunity here again? Um, Is there a strong organic uh, uh, counter-revolutionary, anti-revolutionary movement in Iran? Does this have a chance to succeed in finally toppling their terror masters? What do you think the situation on the ground is in Iran as far as the ability for them to finally, finally, finally have a little bit more freedom? Well, you know, there's definitely a lack of moral compass from world leaders. In fact, today I saw uh, Emmanuel Macron, the president yep. of France, shake hands with Ibrahim Raisi. I've seen very little condemnation from world leaders about what's happening on the ground uh, right now as uh, the protesters are being shot at, tased, and um, detained, mostly women. Um, no, I, I mean, there's the response has been... has obviously the, the crickets yeah. from world leaders but um you know the pro democracy movement has kind of woken up once again Good. and it's definitely because of massa i mean the young 22 year old girl who was killed by this regime yeah you know i always believed that a woman would lead the revo- another I, revolution I did in too. iran i'm I did just too. really sorry that she lost her life for it yeah and she didn't it was know a woman in 09. Sorry to interrupt. It was a woman. It was a woman in 09. And I think the nation has woken up. This time, what I the difference between this time and last time is that the people aren't afraid anymore. Yeah. They're willing to die because freedom has a high cost. 
People are tired of living under a tyrannical totalitarian regime. There's no fundamental rights in Iran. And what I want the American people to know is that, you know, we have freedoms here in this country that shouldn't be taken for granted. Especially for women. They're, they're, you know, fundamental rights, social rights. Um, you know, a woman can't walk down the street to, and wear whatever she wants. She has to cover herself. And so this is a 21st century, right? Yep. And um, unfortunately, I, you know, every time there's, a, there's a, a protest movement, because there's lack of international visibility, because there's a lack of leadership from, the world, from world leaders, the, the, the demonstrations end up dying down. Mm-hmm. But this is the moment this is the moment where leaders emerge, and this is, this is where I hope that we have leaders like President Trump who came out and supported the pro-democracy movement. I remember he tweeted out in Farsi, and he says, I, I see you, we are with you, we support your movement. You know, this is what we're waiting for. I think this is what the Iranian people are waiting for, is for people of the world to come, come out. I mean, I know that many celebrities have come out and supported this, uh, this movement, hashtag mass. Uh, Maso Amini is trending on Twitter, um, but it's not going to continue if we don't see international support on the world stage. And you're and not you're not you going to get it at the United Nations. Uh, it is the tragedy of a feckless uh, leadership in the United States of America that can't weigh in strongly on this with some kind of moral conviction that would matter. This is why I thought the Barack Obama disaster of '09 was so um, was so awful. He had the credibility at that time to say and do something. By the way, it was a woman there too, Netta, if I'm not mistaken, who yes. who was kind mm-hmm. of the rallying yeah. point. It 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 seems yes that if it, if if there is going to be change in Iran, it will come through the uh, the devotion and the efforts of the brave women there. Um, this is why I object to the United Nations so much. I think it's a joke. I think they care about lines. Uh, on maps, I don't think they care about people within those lines, unless those unless those people happen to live in the United States or Israel. That they will condemn. Human rights anywhere else, oddly enough, gets a pass, right? Right, and you know, Abraham Raisi, I cannot believe that sixty minutes went to Iran to interview Abraham Raisi prior to his trip to the United Nations, and right. this man has the audacity to question the Holocaust mm-hmm. in the face of a professional journalist, and she has no comeback for him. Yeah. She, has, she has no courage to respond and say, how dare you deny the Holocaust and call the Americans a terrorist because of the sanctions that are placed on a country that is the number one terror, you know, funder of, you know, and malice of the Middle East. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the fact that he's even here is a joke. The fact that he is allowed to be here is a joke. And the fact that our tax dollars are going to protect him and his entourage is a joke. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir, brother. Well, I, you know, I wish we could preach to more women's groups. I would love you to take a minute, if you don't mind, Erica, and address your fellow feminists in this country. Address the National Organization for Women. Address the women in pink. Please take a, take a minute and maybe something will seep through. But t- tell them what you would like to say, you would like them to say, or what you would like to say to them. I think the women in, in America that are fighting for women's rights really, really understand the the nature of living under totalitarian regimes. They have no they have no context. 
And so what I would say to those women is, maybe you should move to an Islamic state to see what the, you know, what a, a day in the life of a woman is like for women in those countries. Maybe they'll have maybe a little bit different perspective. It's really hard to articulate or to communicate how it feels to live under oppression. Because in America, women are not oppressed. And I, 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 don't know, I don't know why women's organizations feel that women are oppressed in America. Um, I, I, it's, it's really hard for me to relate. And what I would say is, you know, if you want to be the voice of the, oppre- of the oppressed, please raise your voice for the women who don't have a voice. Because if, if as a woman in, in, in Iran or even Afghanistan, Afghanistan is the only country in the world that where women cannot get educated. Yeah. And, you know, we live in a country where a woman can be whatever she wants to be. Yep. Yep. And right. it's just really, it's really hard for me to relate to any of these organizations. In fact, I've seen so many of, of my colleagues and the, you know, human rights activists calling out to the women's organizations, step up, use your platform, be our voice, be the voice of the women that are in the streets getting beaten and, you know, cracked down by these, you know, uh, refugees or the anti-riot police. I, 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 I am with you. It is a very strange time. Uh, the people of Iran, the Persians, and uh, that wonderful, beautiful culture has been tortured since 1979. I will do my best. Uh, I hope you and I can stay in closer touch again. Sorry it's been so long. My fault. Uh, but I appreciate it, and I'm going to uh, ask you to hold our hands uh, through this period as uh, we may call upon you again very soon, Erica. Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you, Seth. Thank you for bringing light it. Absolutely. My uh, pleasure uh, over uh, having to do something that in a better world we, you and I wouldn't have to do. But, uh, you know, we have the easy job. The people uh, in Iran have the hard one. We'll do what we can to leverage their voice. I'm Seth Liebson. Uh, Erica Kosrai, thank you again very much. Uh, I'll be right back with uh, one more word before we take uh, our top of the hour news break. Don't go away. Be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by my good friends at Y-Refi. If you are looking for a remarkable investment opportunity, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They are a due diligence approved firm run by really great people, investors who do really well by doing good for others. You can be a part of that, too. What that? They are talking about a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure, collateralized portfolio. You can check them out at Invest yrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y dot com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. 855-316-3087. I want to thank Erica again uh, for spending some time with us in these uh, portentous times uh, in the world, in the Middle East, particularly Iran, many, many years ago. Uh, before he was a United States Senator, Daniel Patrick Moynihan was the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. He wrote a book on it called A Dangerous Place. It was a double entendre. The world is a dangerous place, but so, too, is the United Nations. You will not see very many condemnations from women's groups here in America, from the United Nations, uh, or even um, we didn't even get into how the Iranian regime treats uh, gay and homosexuals. 
uh, in in their country. You won't hear much from the ones here in the United States because, you know, Republicans are the problem. Uh, I hope I uh, I truly hope I truly pray that um, for the sake of human rights, uh, for the sake of a more Pacific Middle East and uh, Europe, that this uh, this moment is seized and that something can turn and change in that dark veil of a country. Uh, when I think about Iran, I think not only about the people there, I think not only about the region, I think about people who have never lived there who get death sentences put on their head for deigning to write about it, like Salman Rushdie. I think about Christopher Hitchens, who hid Salman Rushdie out in his basement uh, when he was alive. I think about what Christopher Hitchens wrote in his book about the falling of the Shah and the raising of the Ayatollah in 1979. He wrote, At the moment when Iran stood at the threshold of modernity, at the moment when Iran stood at the threshold of modernity, a black-winged ghoul came flapping back from exile on a French jet and imposed a version of his own dark and heavy uniform on a people too long used to being bullied and order around. It has been too long. The United States could shorten it. I hope they do. I hope the people of Iran do. I hope this is a new moment and the world can be made a slightly less dangerous place. Hope springs eternal. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.